0: And so the, the effect that this kind of technology has on us, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface on. But time after time throughout our pilot in the state of California, we've seen similar results, even though clinical studies take you know, a long time. I'm going to wait for the study to be complete. We're really looking at, you know, expanding this program nationwide and and moving forward with this as just as you have a lot of different, you've probably heard of pet therapy where folks bring animals and we do that for terminal wheel patients. We do music therapy, aromatherapy, virtual reality therapy is yet another, you know, another tool in the toolbox to help patients.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by two amazing subject matter experts, one from at Business and one from VTAS Healthcare. Let me introduce them both one at a time. Uh, firstly, we're joined by Zee Hussain, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Business across finance, healthcare, sports and entertainment, and industry solutions across at Business as a whole. Z, welcome to the show. Hello, Daz. Happy to be here. Thanks for making time to catch up. We're also joined today by Patrick Hale, now Patrick is Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Vitas Healthcare. Patrick, thanks for making time to join us, great to have you on the show.
0: Absolutely, excited to be here.
1: So Z, you're responsible for leading enterprise sales teams focused across, I guess, bringing AT&T products and services and in industry-specific sales across a very broad range of, of key industry segments which I'd love to get into at the moment, in a few moments. and and. Patrick, you had a very broad remit around the whole healthcare challenge, but specifically I want to talk today around a project you both did in collaboration between at Business and VITAS Healthcare, looking at the use of virtual reality and augmented reality or let's call it mixed reality for hospice patients, where I believe that AT&T and VITAS, and VITAS being the nation's leading provider of end of life healthcare in North America, you launched a study that looked at combining 5G and virtual reality or augmented reality to test if You could reduce chronic pain and anxiety for certain hospice patients and particularly alternative therapies around I guess making it easier for caregivers to implement better outcomes and services at a time and place uh, sort of the end of life thing and also make it more comfortable for folk at a period of life that's probably one of the last things we want to think about in our lives. So before we do that though I'd love to just maybe just start with a very high level sort of industry catch up from Uzi. I wonder if you could maybe just talk about some of the very high-level trends and technology things we're seeing in the space. Maybe just give us an update of how some of the new and emerging technologies like 5G are opening up across the likes of some of your broad remit around financial services, sports, entertainment, and then we'll pivot back in healthcare
2: yeah absolutely happy to do it as it's a it's a really exciting time to be in the technology space i mean no matter which vertical you look at there's a tremendous amount of transformation going on and uh, within that you see some pockets of uh, quite a bit of uh, innovation you know the three things that i i'm seeing uh, in the broader industry as i talk to different business leaders are everybody's focused on customer experience you know certainly, the second thing that 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 we've heard quite a bit uh, from our clients is uh, driving operational efficiencies and then the third is this uh, notion of uh, you know, driving business agility—the uh, ability to have data to be able to make you know quick decisions—and that differentiates them in the marketplace. So I think that's what we're seeing broadly. You know, specific to the finance and sports and entertainment space. In finance, we're working on a lot of uh, initiatives around friction frictionless interactions with customer. So you think about the finance space—you know, banking, for example—you want to interact with your customer through a mobile interface or online or face-to-face and a lot of our discussions are around, okay, what does a branch of the future look like? You know, it's certainly a smaller footprint. What are the different capabilities that you would enable in that? And uh, historically, you know, we used to talk about a limited capabilities in a mobile type branch but now with 5G that's completely changing because of you know the bandwidth capabilities as well as the low latency so it's 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 pretty exciting discussions that we're having in finance In the sports and entertainment vertical, you know, it's really all about the fan experience. Because as you think about how you consume sports today, I mean, I can be at home relaxing on my couch watching, you know, a sports program in 4K or 8K on TV. So what is going to bring me inside that venue? And that's where 5G is really exciting because we've been, you know, working with uh, our clients around how do you leverage 5G to create these... uh, Engagement experiences with your customers, one of the ones that I believe you know you had uh, talked about in the past was this uh, pose with the pros AR type uh, capability in Cowboy stadium, for example, where fans can go and uh, actually take a picture with their favorite players and you know be able to post it on social media so so lots of lots of fun, exciting things happening in the industry and specifically in these verticals with around 5g.
0: It seems to me
1: there's like a general theme of of a lot more full immersion and I guess um, I'd love to look more specifically at healthcare with that in mind because uh, we're about to talk about that very topic with regard to mixed reality and augmented reality, virtual reality. Can you just maybe focus on healthcare for the moment? What are some of the biggest digital and mobile transformation opportunities you're seeing in the market now within the healthcare industry itself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So within healthcare, you know, we we've seen uh, all our discussions are centered or centered around the patient experience. So historically this, this used to be about the patient experience inside the four walls of the hospital. Cause you know, whenever we wanted to get care, we would go to the hospital and that would be the extent of our engagement. So we're, we're definitely having that, but, uh, uh, it has now expanded beyond the four walls. So when the patient leaves the hospital, Uh, you know, how do they engage with that organization, whether that's remote monitoring, whether that's telehealth, whether that's engagement through different tools provided by the healthcare organization. So I would say within healthcare, we were always focused on, you know, what was going on within the four walls and there's really exciting things going on around that. But our discussions have certainly expanded to now include what happens to the patient when they walk out of the door. And also, you know, some of the things that we've been talking to different healthcare organizations have been around uh, just driving operational efficiencies across their entire organization. And I know, you know, that's something uh, that uh, Patrick and I discussed many moons ago, and that kind of was, you know, uh, the start of this relationship that's evolved and you know become so much more than that.
1: Indeed, fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's an exciting time to uh, be alive both as a consumer of these services, but also uh, an opportunity for providers and service providers and, and the likes of AT&T and t and at and Business to differentiate and, and improve lives. Patrick, I wonder if I can bring you in here just for, uh, uh, I guess, a, a high-level outline of kind of what's happening in your world. I mean, you've got this balance as CIO in particular of uh, strategic future vision and also operational delivery on a day-to-day basis. Uh, from your point of view as CIO, what is the impact of, of technology in general, particularly across VITAS uh, over the last five years been like, I guess, specifically today with regard to the patient experience?
0: Well, I think he really nailed it. Um, you know, the bottom line is that healthcare is not about, and VITAS is not a company where it's a traditional healthcare where you kind of make an appointment to go see your doctor so you can go and wait in the waiting room for 15 minutes, and then you can get called back in and wait for another 15 minutes waiting for the, you know, waiting for the doctor that you're waiting for. Um, you know, so at VITAS, we, we are about patients facing life limiting illnesses. And so for us, you know, we're very passionate. Every every minute counts. So there's a real element of our business that being responsive to patients in their moment of need as quickly as possible, speed is a real element for us. And so we can't be a traditional call for an appointment, come in and have the patient come to us. About eighty percent of our workforce is mobile. You know, they don't come into a office every day. They go to the patient's home. About eighty five percent of our clinical encounters happen in the patient's home. So we um, have made very big investments in mobile, and we've really uh, created a clinical mobile workforce using uh, iPhones as our clinical workstation. And we do that all across the country in almost every major urban market across the country uh, every single day, uh, seeing about um, 90,000 patients.
1: Well, wow, it's, it's a phenomenal scale to think about it. And I understand that uh, you're leveraging technologies like at FirstNet, which I'd like to get into in a little bit later. Um, I wonder if we could maybe just dive into the collaboration you recently ran, which uh, for me was was particularly exciting because I, I've been looking at space myself for, for a long, long time. In fact, uh, before we hit record, I think I disclosed that I've been working on the likes of VR in my own time on platforms as early as the Amiga 500s, for goodness sake. Uh, but now that we've got, uh, you know, uh, the likes of 5G and its low latency, high volume, high bandwidth, and all these new, exciting modern 4K uh, camera-enabled phones and, and other devices. We can put things in people's uh, homes and so forth, as you said. Um, I wonder if we can talk maybe about the collaboration between AT&T and t and at t Business and Vitas Healthcare with the VR trial. Um, so for listeners, AT&T and Vitas Healthcare recently set out to run this VR trial to, to essentially uh, improve uh, both the delivery of service, I guess, in one case, and the types of service you can offer, uh, as well as uh, the experience from the patient's point of view. Zia, I wonder if maybe you can give us just a high level outline of kind of in the first place, just what led to this opportunity for the collaboration?
2: yeah happy to um so uh you know we're really fortunate to be working with uh patrick and his team they they treat us like uh you know uh, advisors we have a seat at the table um to discuss uh business outcomes so um you know as as uh patrick mentioned um you know, given given their employee population is outside the office, they had worked pretty closely with us around uh, mobilization of the key applications. So we were, you know, at the ground level, very closely collaborating and uh, working on solutions to uh, mobilize these things that will help their, um, you know, their uh, caregivers be much more efficient, much more effective. As part of those discussions, when we had them at our executive briefing center, we did uh, a uh, demo of uh, uh, our VR platform. Basically, we used uh, Magic Leap, and you know, it was content that was uh, created by AT&T. And as as we were brainstorming, um, you know, Patrick and team said that th- there's definitely some uh, compelling use cases in our space here, um, and that's how we we started. Uh, working on it. And, uh, you know, initially, the trial was focused around a very specific use case, which was, can we use um, VR uh, that the device, the content provided by at and the connected provided by at and to potentially look at distraction therapy for patients that that might not be mobile. Um, so that's, that's how it started. I think Patrick, what we looked at initially were, you know, very specific content tracks, right? There was, um, a tour of Machu Picchu. There was a meditative walk, uh, in the garden. Um, so we, we kind of started pretty specific, uh, in that distraction therapy case
0: yeah and even if I can go I'll take it, take it all the way back before our executive briefing with at and t I mean our journey on virtual reality uh, started um, when I attended a team meeting in California and um, you know our caregivers come together to talk about and discuss all the patients within their patient portfolio and at one of these team meetings we were discussing uh, an elderly uh, an elderly woman who wanted to see her grandson graduate from college that he was the first college graduate and their family, and she really wanted to go, but she couldn't get clearance. She would have to get on a plane, and she couldn't get medical clearance to get on a plane to go attend the graduation. And we started our, you know, kind of our journey into virtual reality with trying to Get her and have her feel present at her grandson's college graduation, which we were able to do with tools. So, right on the cusp of of making that happen for this patient, so she could see him graduate, she could be a part of the family. They, we had an interactive screen uh, set up at the other end, and we're able to, you know, have kind of a shared family experience for her. Um, then we walked into this executive briefing, and and we got a taste for what the capabilities are over five and why 5G is so important to the capabilities that we've been able to build out is that, you know, this level of signal allows you to have a complete 4K experience in remote locations. So if you're, even if you're in a cinder block basement in the hospital, right, you uh, can put on virtual reality goggles, access online content that is relevant to the patient. So, you know, some, some patients, you know, want to go visit their country of origin. If they're Italian, maybe they want to see the Vatican. Or the leaning tower of PISA. Um, And you know, they wanna they want to have you know maybe a shared experience with their family. Well, you know, you have to be able to access some of that content on the fly based on what the patient would like to see. But after seeing the capabilities of Magic Leap and some of the other partners that ATT brought to the table for content, you know, we were able to pretty quickly, you know, turn this into a pilot to uh, to look at uh, you know patients uh, being distracted and and that are experiencing chronic pain uh, high level pain scores, and then seeing what uh, what kind of therapies uh, would help them help them you know Not pay so much attention to their pain and it's really even as I'm trying to describe it to you. I guess it's it's really difficult to put into words what we found with this pilot and I guess the best way to do that. I'll just tell you the story of our first couple of patients that we did this with when we started our trial in California. So we had a um, we had a cancer patient a woman who uh, whose blood pressure was 160. Uh, she was had a pain score at a nine. She was uh, self-assessing her pain at nine or ten. She um, hadn't slept in days because she was in pain. She was on a max dose of opioids at the time. Um, she couldn't sit up, so she was completely bed bound, could not sit up, and so we um, Gave her two uh, three-minute sessions of virtual reality, and I think um, I think one of them was Machu Picchu, as Z had talked about. The other one was a walk through the redwoods in California, and um, she actually, after these, after six minutes of virtual reality therapy, um, she she had trouble staying awake. She dozed off. Her blood pressure went from 160 to 115. Uh, her pain score, she put it at two. Uh, and then she slept for almost six hours. So she had a sustained impact from, you know, this six minute experience. It kind of shifted something in her brain, and she was able to sleep restfully. Another patient that we had in that same first initial trial started off with a with a pain score of 10, um, which was it was just an you know incredible amount of pain. Uh, their pain was so severe you you couldn't even blow across the patient's skin without it causing um, you know extreme discomfort for this patient. And again, they did a they did a guided meditation. They did two experiences, and the pain scored. Dropped, I think, to about a three, and they were able to hold hands with their loved ones for the first time in weeks. Um, and, And the thing about that patient was, they were very physically tight. They were their muscles were tightened up and tensed up to the point, you know, they had a hard time getting mobile. Well, when they they put the and the VR headsets were were you know were very uncomfortable for them. So we we just held them in front of their eyes, and let them you know listen with the headphones and they immediately at the and during the guided meditation you know you could see their muscles relax you could see them they sat up in bed you know for the first time in a week or so and so the the effect that this kind of technology has on us I think we're just starting to scratch the surface on but time after time uh, throughout our pilot in the state of California we've seen similar results and um, even though clinical studies take you know a long time. Uh, We're not going to wait for the study to be complete. We're really looking at, you know, expanding this program nationwide and and moving forward with this. As just as you have a lot of different, you've probably heard of pet therapy, uh, where folks bring animals in. We do that for terminal ill patients. We do music therapy, aromatherapy. Virtual reality therapy is yet another, um, you know, another tool in the toolbox to help patients.
1: To say it's inspiring just to listen to that wouldn't even begin to do it justice. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, imagining the the positive impact on so many lives at a time where where everything is is so important. Uh, I imagine there's a flow-on benefit from this as well, and that is that the, the clinical care of the individual patients themselves is one thing with their experience, but then the flow-on benefits to the family and the loved ones around them to see their loved ones starting to find some peace, as you said, maybe get some sleep. I mean, there seems to be so many upsides to this. I can't imagine any downside.
0: Well, I mean, here's, the, here's one of the really cool things that you know, we didn't anticipate that turned out to be You know, probably one of the most important, um, you know, important things that we've seen out of all this is that, and I'll I'll go back to that red, the walk in the redwoods, you know, so this was a a woman that had grown up near the redwoods of California. And so this was a, you know, a pretty important touchstone with her. And while she's going through that experience, she's telling her loved ones about it that are in the room of what she can see and what she can experience. And so now working with AT&T, you know, we're able to now create kind of a shared experience for the family. So, you can imagine as technology progresses, and even today, the family can see what the patient is seeing on, on a cell phone or on a mobile device while they're experiencing it virtually. So, you can kind of peer in on what your loved one is experiencing. And, you know, you can, as, as technology advances, things like Google Earth, imagine, imagine being able to go back to your neighborhoods or show, you know, the old country to your children and your grandchildren and explain to them, you know, different elements of the city or of Paris or wherever you're from and you can you can then create these shared experiences which in hospice is huge for us because it it really actually helps the family cope with the loss of a loved one because you have these shared memories at the end and so um, it's just extremely important to be able to provide those kinds of experiences.
1: I could imagine We, we use the phrase that it takes a village to raise a child I've always been the opinion that it takes a village to help somebody uh, get through the, the final stages of life as well. Um, Z, I I imagine there's a number of case studies around other industries that you cover already. I mean, entertainment, for example, when you think about streamers and gamers, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about here to use augmented reality and and uh, sort of the distant world concepts. I mean, across the at network and certainly with, with 5G as it's uh, emerging, We've got key industries like the gaming industry, you've got sports industries where this kind of thing's already happening. And I think about you know, what we're talking about with people going for a walk through Machu Picchu or through you know, Redwood forests. I mean, gamers live in an immersive world all day. They stream it, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. I can see what, based on what you're saying, Patrick, that there's a whole new emerging market here, not just from the trial, but also there could be like an app store for experiences. There could be a whole range of other sort of streaming type business cases here where if, you know, if my, my granny is having experience in Machu Picchu and she can almost sort of send me alerts saying, hey, I'm going to go for a walk in Machu Picchu tonight before I go to sleep. Do you want to join me? I can kind of almost, you know, do that conference call invite to virtual reality. See, mm-hmm. what is what are some of the technologies that went into this trial? Because I, I think a lot of listeners would be really interested in, in you know, it's, it's an amazing outcome. And I'm, I, congratulations to both of you individually and your teams and organizations. Z, the, the foundational components that went into this, I wonder if you could just briefly give us a couple of minutes on the infrastructure around the networking, the data comms, the security that, that kind of went into putting this trial together from a technical point of view? Because I'd like to then pivot back to Patrick from a business point of view of what went into pulling it together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, really at the basic level, there's three components. There's, you know you have the actual uh, VR headset and that's powered by Magic Leap. Um, you have the connectivity, which is uh, we could argue is the Most important component here because uh, with 5G, you know, you have the characteristics of uh, uh, you have uh, blazing fast speed. That's, that's the technical term you have uh, uh, You know, you you have uh, low single digit latency, which is, which is really the game changer aspect um, of 5G because uh, Uh, If there is, uh, you know, more than a certain amount of latency, then the experience is not immersive. Um, But uh, with five G, the latency is so low that uh, it 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 is truly an immersive experience. And then I really
0: do want to underscore that point because it is it is especially in the therapy sense, it is so critical that this be as close to reality, almost indistinguishable from reality, as you can possibly be. So when you have jumping video or kind of jarring interruptions in audio or video. It, it this is it, it goes from being you know amazingly effective to almost not effective at all so that so that experience is so critical especially when talking about the clinical efficacy of these of this technology
2: yeah, absolutely, and and then the third component is uh, the content itself. And as you mentioned, you know, you, you gave us a business idea that you can go in an app store and you can actually, you know, uh, extract experiences that you want to have on the VR device. Um, so certainly, you know, with uh, us having uh, uh, the Warrior Media uh, companies as part of the AT&T umbrella, uh, we're certainly best in class at that. Right? I mean, we we are content creators, and and we can certainly customize content uh, content. So, the three com- the, the three key components here were the actual VR headset, the five G connectivity, and then of course the content itself.
1: Patrick, from a business point of view, uh, you know, everything you've covered so far to me seems like a no brainer that it makes business sense. But from the from the get go, you've obviously had to catch up with some of your peers, and it, and it seemed to be a good business case to run. Uh, I think listeners, now that we've understood the fundamental components from Z as to what. AT&T and t and at t business put to the table for, from network connectivity and you know high throughput, high bandwidth, low latency connectivity and other devices and partners like uh, Magic Leap. When you put the business case together, I'm sure listeners would love to sort of get your journey that you went through and, and the various key steps of putting the business case together, costing it out and just pitching to the organization saying we've got this idea, it seems to make good sense on, on paper, here's how we're gonna run, run it through. What was that journey like from your point of view as CAO back to the business? so they just get the idea up and running and funded and then roll the trial.
0: Well this is one of those rare ones where um you know, we, we we had to fight like uh, like the Dickens to get the pilot to go forward. We had to find clinicians that were actually really engaged in this and really, um, you know, believed in giving it a try. But once we tried it, I mean, it's it's that's when the no brainer came in. So this is one of those rare projects where the success and the impact on patients and their families has been so great that it's it's not you know it's not necessarily about the business case right now. This is about we have a viable therapy option and we need to really understand how far we can take this and to the extent clinically it can have an impact and we're lucky enough to have an executive team that
2: believes in it and is uh, willing to invest in it and, and patrick uh in this case i mean uh, uh i think the pilot was fairly small right it was uh, five or so and now you've expanded it quite a bit and now you have demand from the business to expand it pretty significantly
0: that's correct. That's correct. So, and, we'll, and we're going to, we're looking at that. And p- so part of that expansion is work that's actually in progress right now. So as we expand this, you know, when you move into different communities, that's, that's kind of the challenge of this too, as you move into different communities, different content becomes relevant than other communities. So you have different patient populations with different needs and servicing that. And so I think, you know, just what Z said, those three components, I think we've got the first two nailed, but really the consumption of the content is an ever changing need and it's one that we're uh you know we couldn't be better positioned with ATT t as our partner there but that I think is going to be a challenge every market that we enter into with this with this therapy that we're going to have to you know continually challenge and make sure that we have it fresh and updated so that I think is one thing that we'll be working on um you know going forward as we roll it out uh, indeed <clears throat> and obviously this trial
1: uh, was around the sort of end of life uh, hospice care scenario and 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 as you mentioned sort of in people's homes and their normal just, you know, place of comfort. But I can also see the other end of the spectrum that you know, uh, uh, young kids who are, who, are, who are at early stages of lives and, and challenged with the likes of cancer and other life-threatening diseases could have exactly the same experience. Because we know, you know, again, from the gamer experience, I mean, kids get lost in games for hours, if not days. And there's oh, well always yeah. before that. No. Right? Um, I can imagine that you know, we've seen it in education, we've seen it in entertainment. I think it just made, it's such a natural pivot in healthcare now, and I think it's an amazing opportunity to improve lives at the end of life. But I, I imagine it goes across the full gamut. Uh, and, and also, I think there's a, it, it, surely there's a telemedicine, remote medicine option here uh, for the very same reason that you don't necessarily yeah, have to. Yeah, this eat. is,
0: I mean, I would, I would just this is a giving tree. So this is this, this level of technology and when we go past virtual reality to augmented reality. If you think about in, in healthcare today, you know, widespread, not just hospice, you think about in healthcare, one of the biggest challenges is training your clinicians, training your clinicians on real scenarios that they're going to face in the field, right? So we have this system today where we put interns out there on deck and we have them sort of watched over by other more seasoned clinical staff but we we put them into learning hospital environments etc but just imagine kind of turning that whole training uh, you know experience on its head. And if you can provide virtually an experience for clinicians and doctors, not only for clinical training so that you're not, you know, experimenting on patients on anything or getting experience on patients, but you're doing it virtually well in advance before you ever have to touched a patient, if you can make that experience as close to reality as possible, that's going to create better clinicians. That's going to create better clinicians. And then you have bedside, all kinds of bedside manner situations where, you know, you're getting, you're getting people that are coming right out of medical school and they're thrown into these really difficult social situations. I mean, I used to be a CTO for an acute care hospital. And, uh, you know, if you really want to see what happens with humanity, spend some time in the ER on Halloween. So I had the pleasure of being the administrator on call during Halloween. And it is, you know, you are going to run into situations, I will guarantee you, helping the public that you would never thought you'd ever face as a clinician in some of these situations. But if we can have the social aspect of medicine, the bedside aspect of the medicine, um, be kind of a scenario that's run virtually before the clinician is ever put in those situations so that they're better prepared for kind of the the side of healthcare that school doesn't prepare you for, I think, you know, you're just talking about a completely different model for preparing the clinical workforce in America if we can embrace technology like this. So you know, imagine being in your exam room and and having augmented reality patient there that you're going to interact with, and they're going to react in certain ways, and they might experience certain symptoms, and you're going to get a chance with a very in a very real experiential manner to be able to uh, to be able to learn from. It's just it's a real game changer, and and so you know that's the promise of what's coming, and that's the kind of thing that really gets me excited. But if your company's not adopting virtual reality and the and the skills and capabilities that exist today, I think you're going to find yourself behind very quickly.
1: Uh, I, that's, I think that's a one liner that needs to be on the back of someone's business card. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, the example you gave of using it for, for training, I mean, I can imagine a scenario where with permission you were able to record somebody's experience and then provide that as a learning package so that millions of, of students coming through the healthcare education program can look and go, well, this is, a scenario that played out in, in North America, this is a scenario that played out in Southeast Asia, this is one that was in Northern Europe, this is one in Australia, New Zealand. The different right. cultural and behavioral challenges, the language challenges, to me, I think there's such... Just,
0: just imagine being able to pause that in the middle of, you know, an, an extreme encounter and say, okay, how could this have been handled differently? Exactly. Right. And then being able to learn from it. That, that, is, that is a luxury that our clinical workforce, our physicians, our nurses do not have in their current uh, education. And it's one that with technology, we can provide them.
1: And, and I imagine on the other side of the coin, Z, there's a scenario, and I'd love to sort of look at the future direction of this whole digital health space with you, Z. When we think about this from a healthcare point of view, as Patrick was saying, you know, you can you can role play these, you can run different scenarios, you can even then use machine learning and artificial intelligence to take the data and run a million iterations to see if there's a different way to play this out or different, you know, whether brightness or or depth of field or music had a different influence. Um, but you could also then replay that from a technology point of view and say, well, you know, what was the impact of moving different frame rates? What was the impact of moving mono versus stereo audio? Or, you know, where were the latency gains? When when we think, uh, Z, when we think about some of these case studies and the examples we're talking about, I'd love to get your thoughts on sort of the the future direction of digital health as a whole. And then I'd love to come back to you, Patrick, with regard to how it relates to what you're doing in your organisation. But if I was to sort of say, I mean, Z, you're in a really unique position in so many ways, and particularly your broad remit across multiple industries, but in healthcare, you literally live with your finger on the pulse every day if you'll pardon the pun i wonder if you could just give us a view and a sense of kind of where you see from AT&T and AT&T businesses point of view the future of digital health evolving from a service provider's point of view
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, we're really excited about what's going on in the healthcare space, especially from a service provider uh, perspective, Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, this whole notion of uh, uh, this whole connected enterprise, not only inside the four walls, but outside as well. And uh, there's just so many scenarios that, you know, play out as you as you think about the patient journey, or as you think about uh, any of the caregivers or the doctors or the nurses in the enterprise, you know, an example uh, for us could be a a patient coming into the hospital and going through, you know, the, uh, what can be a sometimes difficult and laborious process of check-in through uh, a kiosk and be able to do it pretty quickly, Um, you know, on your app, on the phone, be able to have the Uh, wayfinding uh, app, uh, wayfinding capability that can navigate you through the hospital to exactly where you need to be for your appointment, being able to get the results pretty quickly because uh, the hospital is 5G enabled, so you did uh, MRI and, uh, um, you know, these big files were downloaded extremely quickly and uh, they were able to get the files to the people that needed to get to without you know, having this constraint of uh, the bandwidth uh, to be able to get these files to other folks. So, I think from a service provider standpoint, within the four walls, we see a lot of opportunities to really elevate uh, the patient experience. Also, you know, drive efficiencies. As I mentioned, uh, maybe a specific example is, you know, when you when you go to the hospital, you get an MRI done, and you know, this file is usually five, six hundred mags. So. Uh, sometimes you're not going to get the results for a couple of days and it's not because uh it it's it's not because you know somebody can't analyze it quickly and give you uh you know give you uh, a verdict on what's going on it's it's just really a matter of being able to access that file it's so big uh usually the bandwidth limitations make it hard for you to um you know download it in a timely manner and then a few other people might have to look at it so it becomes an issue of uh transporting those large files so in a connected uh uh, hospital where you know you have 5G powering uh, the bandwidth, you should be able to move these files around pretty quickly. And uh, for something like an MRI, you might not have to wait for 24 to 48 hours, you might be able to get results pretty quickly. So um, so those use cases are certainly you know very interesting, and then, when we go outside the four walls and uh, um, you know the telehealth applications are fantastic because uh, if you want to consult with your doctor, uh, an immersive video call powered by five g is uh, a compelling use case because uh, you know if you want to show them something on your arm you know hey i have uh, Uh, You know this uh, wound, I have a lesion. Um, It wasn't previously possible just because, you know, the connectivity was just so good. Now with this immersive video, um, you have that really good connection even outside the four walls. you know uh uh, other example would be the wearables and the data from the wearables and being able to access that and being able to analyze that so i think from a service provider standpoint uh does just a tremendous amount of opportunities and ultimately the the goal is to you know help uh this industry drive towards uh uh, an end state where um, the care is preventative, it's predictive, and it's, you know, very responsive.
1: Underpinning all that, just before I come back to you, Patrick, Zia, I imagine cybersecurity security is, is on the top of everyone's mind on a whole range of things in enterprise. Uh, I'm sure it's the case that in healthcare, it's even more pertinent.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That That is a uh, great comment. You can't do any of that unless uh you know you're uh, you're very confident that every single fabric of that solution uh, is uh, fully secure and 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 certainly you know security is something that is uh, part of our uh, DNA uh, and it's something you know as we architect all of these solutions that's always foundational to uh, what we do what we do so absolutely what you said around security that's that's foundational and I think that's uh, you know when we when we talk about cellular connectivity i.e. 5G versus uh, Um, you know, accessing these applications over, uh, let's say Wi-Fi, you do elevate the security pretty significantly because it is on a, you know, 5G cellular connection versus a Wi-Fi connection. That's that's much easier to hack into. That's just one component of it, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Security is paramount for us to be able to deliver this.
1: And I'll come back to you again in a second once I just, uh, I've got a question from Patrick now, but uh, Z, would like to just come back to also the FirstNet uh, topic uh, with that uh, whole cybersecurity challenge and, and access in mind. But Patrick, before we do that, um, I mean, when you think about the larger potential of 5G as a whole at, at VITAS, um, or even just the healthcare industry itself, uh, not just even just in North America, I imagine 5G is gonna significantly change the way clinicians can treat patients. Um, do you envisage five G enabling a more mobile workforce? that, You, you know, uh, you, you mentioned you've got a lot of people going out in the field; they're going to go people's homes. Uh, it, it's a given they've got a smartphone. It's a given they're going to use that for various features for messaging and apps. But it seems to me now that you're going to have an even more mobile workforce capability with the, the facilities that five G makes possible over the AT Yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely and we've already and we've already seen that the signal strength increase is, is phenomenal you know we're a first net customer we'll get into that but it yet absolutely is it is a complete game changer so you know any area where we had signal strength problems or if you're in that cinder block basement in the hospital that I talked about you know you're fully connected on your mobile device i do think it's worthwhile that we talk a little bit about just mobile enablement of healthcare because it's what it's one thing that most healthcare companies haven't done um, so there's a couple big things things about mobile and adopting mobile that are really important to understand. So first and foremost, you know, you kind of have to look at healthcare over the last six years, seven years, has gone through the most rapid advancement of digitization uh, in in really in the history of healthcare. So uh, EMRs and electronic medical record systems have been mandated for health systems for about seven years now. And so there was this really big rush to get get, get your chart data digitized. So get it out of paper and get it into digital. And one of the real unintended consequences of that is an experience I think every single one of us have had. You know, if you're a physician in a hospital, you get about eight minutes per patient when you're doing your rounds. And today, our clinical workforce in America is so dissatisfied because they're spending six or seven of those eight minutes with their back to the patient typing in chart information. And so you can imagine the impact on that clinical encounter, on the satisfaction of the clinician that's in that encounter, on the satisfaction of the patient that, that is in that encounter, when they just feel like they're feeding the technology. When technology has now become the centerpiece of your clinical visit, it has, the computer has to be fed. I've got a physician friend of mine that says, you know, he's a little cynical, and he, you know, he says, Patrick, all we've done with EMRs is we've successfully created the largest data entry workforce, mankind. Kind has ever seen. It's the largest and most expensive data entry workforce. I feel like I went, to, I went to medical school to care for patients, and I feel like what I'm doing is entering data all day. Well, at VITAS, we've taken a significant step away from that. And so what we do at VITAS is we use the inherent power of mobility. So when you think about your mobile phone, your mobile device, or an iPad, we have, a, we have 11,000 mobile devices, iPads and iPhones, that are clinical workstations for our clinical folks. And so what we've done is we've replaced those keystrokes when you're charting with swipes and clicks. So there's something that's very inherent, very fundamental, and and very intuitive about interacting with a mobile application that does not exist with your standard keyboard and mouse application. So you can imagine what we do instead of typing long and very complex notes. We have, you know, we have a body picker. So we have a picture of a body and you if you have pain in your left arm, you're going to touch that left arm, you're going to select pain and then you're going to slide the pain on that pain score. Uh, If you've got a wound, you're going to kind of look at that wound and you're going to chart using swipes and and gestures rather than keystrokes and that sounds fairly insignificant. But believe me when I tell you that cuts minutes out of every patient encounter. Right. So this is this saves time. It saves effort. And more importantly, what we found at VITAS is that that mobile devices let you let you have a clinical experience. That is what that patient needs. And what I mean by that is it's a variable workflow. So if you have to stop and hold the patient's hand, you can set the device down. And then you can pick it back up and continue your ability to chart as the patient's talking and remain eye to eye with them and remain in the conversation is infinitely better on a mobile application. So that whole Clinical interaction piece with mobile is so much better. And I don't want to underestimate some of, the, some of the really big improvements that we've gotten. People don't think about this, but swapping out clinical workstations, standard laptops, right? Laptops and, and with, you know, uh, that you carry with you and you take to the patient's home, that's what we used to do. But we found a 35% cost reduction moving to the mobile device because they're cheaper. You know, they're cheaper and they're more reliable and more durable than a laptop is used in the field. So that saved us about 2.2 million a year. We had, um, because we implemented mobile technology and we have this huge mobile workforce, we saw saw a 40% reduction in our outbound calls in our call center because they weren't clinicians weren't having to call for information. They were able to look it up on their mobile device, you know, we saw about 100% adoption because these systems are so easy to, uh, to adopt, um, we, we have all of our admissions happen mobily now. So we send an admissions nurse out to patients and families to talk to them about hospice. And all of our admissions are done on mobile devices today. That took us about a week after we went live. It was 100% adoption because it's an intuitive workflow. And that is equated to dollars for us in time. It took 20 hours for us to, to train an admissions nurse on her job on a standard laptop kind of application. Today what happens for our nurses is when you start at VITAS, your mobile phone comes to you in the office, you pick it up, you unbox it, you plug it in, you put in your VITAS credentials, the device self-configures, it takes you through a tutorial, and within one hour you're ready to be productive. So we've taken 20 hours to one hour, a 20x improvement in training. So the power of mobility is huge, 5G or no 5G, excuse me, 5G or no 5G. So you're going to end up You know, we are already at a point where mobile technology and mobile connections, it's more secure, it's fast, it's reliable. And we put, you know, this is what our systems run on every single day at VITAS right now. And 5G only makes that better, faster, and more ubiquitous. It's exciting. It's almost
1: gamification of a workforce that, uh, as you get younger and younger generations coming through, their cloud natives, they're digital natives, they just assume that that they're going to use their device to do it in the first place.
0: You know, it's really funny. We, you know, we, uh, you know, we live our lives on our mobile devices, but for some reason, most of our, you know, most of our work is still done on PCs. But that, that really does need to change. And it's up to us to adopt it. It's up, up to us to bring these solutions that exist into the workplace. And we, I really believe that's one of the keys to transforming healthcare is to get mobile.
1: No, I think it's very exciting. And uh, that whole data entry problem, I can imagine that eventually uh, you know, smart speakers, smart agents will change that. Because uh, I always love the phrase, uh, something to the effect that voice is a new killer app we haven't leveraged. See, I wonder if I can come back to you, because underpinning all of that, I, I get the sense that FirstNet is almost a given in a lot of your circumstances. For listeners outside of North America, I wonder if maybe you can just briefly give us a 30-second summary of what FirstNet is, and then we can sort of talk about where it's fitting into this whole, uh, I guess, business opportunity with VTAS and, then, and this project.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, this uh, uh, idea of FirstNet came uh, uh, right after 9-11. So, um, you know, really, really tragic event. We had our first responders who were rushing to the scene and uh, all of the, um, you know, network platforms, uh, telephony platforms were just completely congested. So at the most critical time when uh, the first responders needed to be able to communicate to each other, needed to be communicated to All other people, uh, they weren't able to do so because uh, all of the network systems were just jam packed and none of the calls, none of the data was going through. So government decided to take action and they, uh, you know, actually put out a RFP uh, for Uh, you know go ahead and build a private network uh, with uh, preemption with priority for first responders. Um, AT&T won that uh, contract and we've been in the process of uh, building out that network, uh, you know, for the last uh, four or five years. And um, what what started out as uh, a network for, you know, uh, traditional first responders, policemen, uh, firefighters, uh, we realized that that ecosystem is a whole lot bigger. Um, you know, for example, When there's a catastrophe, uh, you certainly have first responders get to the scene, but they need to get uh, the impacted people to hospitals, uh, emergency rooms, and you want to make sure that uh, uh, the people working in the hospital also have access uh, to be able to talk to these first responders as well as be able to access other people, loved ones of the uh, folks that have been impacted by the incident. Um, As you think broader, um, you know, what uh, Vitas does, I mean, I mean, this is uh, literally, um, you know, life and death care. Uh, It is very, very important for these caregivers to be able to have access, uh, to be able to make phone calls, to have have access to data for these critical uh, applications, because it is literally a matter of uh, life and death. These folks are in distress, they're in a lot of pain. So we went through the very, very stringent process of uh, submitting the use case for VITAS caregivers, and it was approved as a FirstNet uh, use case. So um, everybody that has a FirstNet phone uh, at VITAS essentially is on the FirstNet network, which means priority, preemption. Uh, in the event of a disaster, you know, there's, there's a storm, there's uh, a power outage, um, even though a lot of the folks on a traditional network might not have access, um, folks on FirstNet, caregivers on VTAS would be able to still uh, access the network, be able to make phone calls, be able to pass data packets. I think it's an amazing
1: initiative. It reminds me of uh, some of the challenges that enterprises are having now where they're effectively routing VPNs over the internet and they're trying to, they're trying to use quality of service and other features and the technology to get data through uh, and yet they're fighting with people watching Netflix trying to get the latest releases or watch, somehow, <laughs> you know, listen to music videos on, on YouTube, and YouTube and, you know, they can't get business data through. Um, gentlemen, it's been an amazing overview of kind of where you're at both from the industry point of view and also this amazing trial. I wonder, Zee, if I could wrap up with a final question to you, um, because I know we're coming up in the hour. I wonder, Zee, if I could hand you a virtual crystal ball and get you to gaze into it for a moment, Um, if you could perhaps just give us a sense of kind of what you see coming over the horizon, particularly with healthcare, Uh, and given the context of today's conversation. um, Over the next 12 to 18 months, some of the big, new, exciting, emerging things that you think are gonna come at us in the next 12 to 18 months, people should be talking about from boardroom downwards, the likes of, say, Patrick as the CIO in a boardroom, helping the organization such as Vitas go through that sort of digital transformation journey, future proving themselves, leveraging new technology. Uh, Z, if you were to gaze into a virtual crystal ball and give us a couple of minutes summary of the next 12 to 18 months, what would that look and sound like?
2: Yeah. So uh, I guess this is the time for the uh, big bold prediction. And uh, Mm -hmm. I, I guess, as I would say, based on, you know, everything that I see, all of my interactions, uh, out, uh, uh, you know, with different healthcare organizations, I'm, 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 I'm convinced that the next 12 to 18 months, we're going to see a huge tipping point in healthcare. Healthcare has always been very cautious when it comes to technology investments, and they have to be, right? I mean, you're dealing with lives, uh, but I think we've gotten to a point where uh, there's a high level of comfort with the, uh, you know, these game-changing technologies that are out there. Whether it's, uh, you know, going to the cloud, whether it's looking at uh, uh, data analytics and AI whether it's 5 um, I am seeing uh, all of the organizations embracing it and rapidly marching towards adoption like i have never seen before so um so i think it i think it's a pretty exciting time in healthcare um you know for for me um i think the uh, the you know what we would see with regards to 5G we've already started seeing some you know pretty cool use cases we talked about a bunch of those Uh, In this conversation, we talked about what Patrick uh, and team are doing with uh, VR and how it's uh, really, you know, impacting lives. Uh, We talked about some of the operational efficiencies that are being driven inside the four walls of the hospital um, with uh, faster, you know, downloads of critical information uh, and collaboration tools. We talked about some of the stuff that's going on outside the four walls. I think uh, uh, we're going to see some additional use cases that are going to be a little bit more groundbreaking, but definitely needs some more work. And uh, uh, those would be around. Uh, I think Patrick alluded to it. Would be training. You know, so if you're if you're a uh, surgeon and uh, you utilize uh, AR VR and to be able to map the entire procedure and be able to actually see uh, the intricacies of what you're going to be able to do, what you're going to be do, doing. I mean, that's certainly a game changer. I believe uh, you know what you've seen. Uh, as an early use case of 5G in the manufacturing space with robotics, I think the robotics would be coming to, um, you know, procedures um, on humans as well. That might be a little bit further out, but I believe uh, certainly we're going to have the foundation with uh, uh, the technology to be able to do, you know, some uh, uh, minimally invasive procedures as, as a beta. So I would say, you know, these technologies are really going to transform um, how we consume healthcare, how do how we you know view healthcare um, in our day to day interactions, and you know my advice to all of the um, companies out there would be um, you know start engaging in these conversations, and uh, certainly you know we're we're here uh, to engage and help them and share with them. Uh, how we're talking to other companies about you know this technology journey. Um, but uh, I, I believe we're just going to see tremendous amount of technology adoption and some of the you know, key technologies around that, 5G and IoT, would, would certainly be foundational.
1: Indeed, it's one of those things where it reminds me of a phrase I like to use quite regularly, which is this conversation is happening whether you join it or not. Patrick, I wonder if you were going to, in your role, uh, particularly in, in your you know, wearing the hat of CIO, if you were to give one uh, closing uh, remark with regard to a single point of advice to your peers across healthcare uh, in the C-suite with regard to what to do next, what would that be?
0: Well, I'd, I'd say, I would say get in the game. Uh, get in the game because there's still too many CIOs I think on the sidelines of these technologies and it really you know I'm a, I'm a really big advocate of getting your toe in the water and if you've got a good team you know there there's so many in healthcare especially because it does skew to more conservative you know we we don't have the luxury of being wrong you know if we if we try to implement something big and we're wrong it has dramatic consequences. You know, bad things happen. But there is a way to innovate in healthcare. It is not an excuse to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. But there right now today, right now today, we have all the technology we need to solve the problems that exist in healthcare. And that's just a fact. You know, it it is possible to resolve everything that frustrates you as a user of healthcare has probably been fixed in other business verticals. You know, the fact that we can't share information among, you know, providers, if we go to our family doctor and our family doctor says, go see a cardiac specialist who says, uh, go see, you know, go see a dietitian, whatever. Why do we have to answer the same question 16 times? You should not have to do that. And you know what? This generation of patients that's coming up is not going to tolerate it. So at VITAS, we're very focused on being the best partner we can be to our referral sources, to our hospitals, to our nursing homes, being the best provider we can be to our patients and their families. And the one thing we're not going to do is stay out of the game. Because even if you're one of those CIOs that believes, my gosh, this is all a lot of hype. This is just a lot of hype. I've seen, I've seen solutions promise, I've seen them come, I've seen them go. You know what, if you're wrong about that, you're gonna be out of business. And it is not that much effort to put your toe in the water. And if, if you've got a good team, you're gonna know pretty quick if any of these solutions that we talked about here today are hype or if there's really something to them and you really you got to hire the right people and you got to be willing to experiment you know safely and thoughtfully all those things but what you can't do is sit it out
1: i like that it uh, reminds me of the fact that uh, uh, when you've got a website or a social media app it's like three strikes you're out with a click 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 and uh, and yet we expect people to do different things and jump through hoops when they're paying for services uh z patrick has been an absolute pleasure it's been an hour with you thank you so much for sharing so many insights around what's happening with your industries and in uh, particular healthcare, and the amazing insights into your, your, your recent trial with uh, augmented reality VR. And uh, I, I think if nothing else, I'm, uh, I'm excited for what the next 12 to 18 months has ahead, if not further. And uh, I look forward to having you hopefully both on the show again sometime soon to uh, follow up on where it went next.